All right, well, welcome, 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 welcome. Here we are, brand new series, The Sixth Sense. All of us have been taught since that time in elementary school. Remember, way back in elementary school is where it began, been taught that we have five senses. This is what you were taught by your teacher, that you can, that you can see, that you can hear, that you can smell, that you can taste, that you can feel. I remember uh, a few years back being in a gathering and we were literally kind of playing this fun kind of game, this question game. And, and, the, and the question was asked to someone in our group, if you had to choose to lose one of your five senses, which sense would you choose to lose? Just like we asked you at your tables to discuss that earlier. And I remember, never forget, this one woman was asked the question and she, re- she said, I would choose to lose my sight. And I was shocked by what she said. And I, 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 like, I just said, are you kidding me? You would lose your sight, like over like, your taste? And she shot back in a second. She goes, absolutely. I'm sick and tired of looking at this sorry world. I love to eat, and I want to taste my food. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess she does have a point. But I never forgot that. So earlier, we did this. Let's take a little survey here. How many of you would choose to lose your sight if you had to lose something, okay? A couple of us. What about uh, losing your ability to hear? Your ability to smell? What about taste? What about feel? (laughs) My wife, I got to talk to her about that. (laughs) Now watch this. We think about that. But in my humble opinion, I really wish that every kid would be taught from elementary school on and that every adult would understand that we have a sixth sense and that this sixth sense is just as real as our ability to hear and see and smell and taste and feel. It's our conscience. I like what Susie Kazim says, and she is quoted in your notes there, it's time for everybody to start becoming conscious of their conscience. And I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, seriously, imagine your life without one of your five senses. Let's just kind of talk about that. Let's imagine somehow you get out of church here, fine, but you get in your car and you start driving down the road, you get in a a terrible car accident, and when you come to you literally have lost one of your five senses. These senses that you've learned to live with for your whole life. Maybe it's seeing or hearing or feeling or tasting or whatever. And you lose one of these senses. What's going to happen to your life? Um, That loss of that sense will have significantly impaired and challenged the quality of your life. You think about it, you're going to have to make all sorts of adjustments. The quality of your life is going to be greatly diminished because you've lost one of those five senses. Now, just connect the dots here in your mind. This is what we are seeing in our society. This is what we are seeing in marriages and in families and even in the church and certainly in our society and world at large. Huge problems arising Because we've been not taught that we even have a sixth sense. Many people are unaware 
that they have a sixth sense called our conscience. And when we are clueless about its existence, and when we are also clueless about how our conscience works and how we are to work with it, when we do not understand how to train our conscience, which we're going to be talking about in this series, we're going to suffer. And we're going to suffer at every level of society. And this is what we are seeing. I have a feeling the reason why this series, right, we're packed out every table, and probably we're going to sell a lot of DVDs, we're recording this, is simply because this is like on our minds. We watch the news. You watch the news. You read the newspaper. Every time you pick up a magazine, you read the news. You're like, what happened to the conscience of people? How can someone do that to another human being and live with themselves? I mean, are you serious? They can do that? And what happened to the conscience of people? It's like it's gone. And we're wondering about this. But the flip side is this, which I want to give you so much hope. You have to imagine, what would it be like truly to wake up and realize you do have a sixth sense, and you do? I mean, our five senses are, are so important and magnificent to our lives to be able to see, but what if there was a sixth sense that maybe you didn't realize you have, and it just came alive in your life, like what we're going to talk about, and all of a sudden, it's like, man, this series has the potential to be absolutely life-changing for you because you will discover something that God has given you that is so precious that many people just don't even understand or even unaware that they really have it. So we're going to spend four Sundays talking about this area that I've entitled The Sixth Sense. We're going to understand, and then we're going to get into a training program that will talk about how you literally can train your conscience. Now, we're going to be answering four critical questions about the conscience. We're going to be using the Bible as our guidebook, as always. And this morning, we're simply going to answer question number one. And this is the question this morning. What is my conscience? What is your conscience? And my goal this morning is simply to define it and describe it. That's all. I want you to walk from here understanding you have a conscience, and I'm really praying you'll walk from here knowing what it is. That's all we need to accomplish today. So let's begin with several things. Let's start with just literally Webster's Dictionary and hear what Webster says about the conscience. He says this, conscience is the sense of moral goodness or blameworthiness of one's own conduct. So it's a sense that we have of moral goodness or blameworthiness of our conduct. In other words, conscience is this innate sense that we have, that every human being does, that we get from our conduct at any given moment, that our conduct is either good or our conduct is would be bad. The Greek word uh, for conscience is synodesis, which literally means self-moral knowledge. And it's a compound word. Soon means with, and edesis comes from the Greek word oida, which means to know. So synodesis literally means to know with or to have co-knowledge with one's self. So conscience is this 
self-knowledge that registers within at any given moment about any particular behavior that we are engaged in. Our conscience is this organic self-knowledge that just rises up, that, that deems something morally good or morally bad. Here's another way of describing or defining conscience. Our English word conscience literally means to know together. Con means together. Science means to know. Conscience is self-moral knowledge. I love Wikipedia. What an amazing resource this is. Wikipedia says this, conscience is the aptitude. It's the faculty. It's the intuition or judgment that assists in distinguishing right from wrong. So conscience is an aptitude. It's an intuition. It's this judgment that, that exists within that helps us distinguish right from wrong. And then I give you my definition. This is Mark's definition. Of everything I've studied, this is what I think the conscience is. It is the built-in indicator of rights and wrong. That's what it is. My conscience is my sixth sense that tells me on the inside if something I'm doing is right, either before, during, or after I've done that something. Or my conscience is that built-in indicator inside that tells me that something I'm doing, have done, or will do is wrong. It's, it, 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 it's this indication. For example, years ago, uh, we were vacationing as a family in Montana. And back then, I'm from Montana, Billings, Montana originally, and we were vacationing, we were in a minivan. And back then, in that year, there was no speed limit in Montana. Do you remember that? Literally, the sign said this, whatever is safe and prudent. Whoa. So I'm in a minivan driving down the freeway at 100 plus miles per hour. I think this is safe and prudent, right? Inside my heart, I'm going, this is wrong. And the police officer that pulled me over, he thought the same. But that's a different story, and we're not going to go into that story right now. But the word conscience, you know, it, it's, it's used 35 times in the Bible. Now, when God uses a word once, it's important. You should really study it. But 35 times this concept, this truth, this word of conscience is used. And I, I, can, I can't find almost anything out there that's written about the conscience. I'm like... Why are we not preaching and teaching about this? So, this series. And we're going to study these areas, and there's incredible insight. I was blown away going, are you kidding me, Lord? You've given us so much insight into our conscience. Now, one thing is clear. When you add everything up the Bible says and teaches about our sixth sense, our conscience, and it's this. On your outlines, our conscience comes from God. Let's repeat that after me. Can we say that? Our conscience comes from God. That is so true. It's part of what it means to be created in God's image. You are such a unique individual. Every single person here. We've been created in the image of God. That's what the Bible teaches. Right in the first book in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Men and women, you've been created in the image of God. Now watch this. Theologians debate the extent to which the image of God in man and woman has been marred since the fall. 
There's all sorts of theological, how much did we fall when sin came into the world in terms of the image of God in us? How distorted is it? There's all sorts of debate about that. But one thing that is not debated, everyone believes we still have a conscience. Everyone believes that. Every human being on this planet has the sixth sense of a God-provided, built-in, functioning conscience. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be a Christian. You can be a non-Christian. You have a conscience. You can be religious. You can be non-religious. You have a conscience. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. You can be independent. It doesn't matter. I think you still have a conscience. Um, It doesn't matter your ethnicity, Caucasian, Asian, African, Indian, Hispanic, Islander, doesn't matter. You have a conscience. Doesn't matter your socioeconomic condition. You could be poor. You could be incredibly wealthy. You have a conscience. Every person here does. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 2. Let's go to a scriptures. Times I, I print out for you the scriptures. There's other times I want you to turn your Bible to a scripture to see it on the pages, and if you don't have a Bible, just steal your neighbors. Your conscience can live with that. No, I'm just joking. But Romans chapter 2, here's a very powerful scripture on the conscience. And Paul, in this passage, he's describing the inner workings of a Gentile, which is a non-Christian in biblical terminology. And Paul is describing the inner working, the conscience Uh, of, of a Gentile, and he says this in verse 14, indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, remember the Jews received the law, right? The Hebrews there, the Ten Commandments. But when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, how do they do that? How do they live out the things required by the law? It's placed in their conscience. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. God wrote it, you see, on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. See, Paul says here, the conscience either bears witness that our behavior is good, or it accuses us that our behavior is bad. Think of it this way. Uh, The conscience is the soul's automatic guiding and warning system. Some of you have GPS in your car. Do you have that? Many of you, you know? In my car, my Highlander, I have this GPS system that literally speaks to me. Okay? It's, It's crazy. I can punch in a destination, and it will literally, it will guide me with this voice to my destination or warn me if I'm going off course. And that's kind of like your conscience. It's just that your conscience is a thousand times more sophisticated than what I have in my vehicle. It's your soul's automatic guiding and warning system. It's this innate ability to sense right from wrong. And what a gift from God. When you think about this, it's such a gift from God. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about what our secular society and those in the elites Uh, educational systems think and teach about the conscience. It's the opposite of it being a gift from God. But it is an incredible gift from God. 
One person writes this, the conscience is not to be equated with the voice of God or the word of God. It is a human faculty that judges our actions and thoughts by the light of the highest standard we perceive. When we violate our conscience, it condemns us, triggering feelings of shame, anguish, regret, consternation, anxiety, disgrace, and even fear. When we follow our conscience, it commends us, bringing joy, serenity, self-respect, well-being, and gladness. Just reading that statement resonates with your heart. Your conscience is resonating. That is a, a true statement that just rings and it sounds good. And it brings up all sorts of emotions going on right now in your life. I know that. Now, let's continue here with our thinking about, again, what is the conscience? Let me give you another thought. Our conscience has two primary voices. You see, our conscience is constantly speaking. <laughs> constantly is the conscience speaking. And we see both voices of the conscience in one verse there, and I've given you this verse in your outlines, Romans 2.15. Their conscience is also bearing witness. Take, take your pen out and write down, underline bearing witness. You see, your conscience is like a witness on a stand giving testimony, and yet the stand is your heart's. They're, living, they're literally giving out a witness to you about what they are perceiving in terms of your behavior. And their thoughts, your thoughts now from your conscience can accuse you or defend you. So let's talk about how our conscience bears witness to us. Our conscience is constantly speaking to us about our behavior or our thought life. It doesn't matter. Your conscience has two voices that you hear from it. Number one, the voice of our conscience at times bears witness and will defend us. You're in the right. This is right. So I thought, how can I best describe this to you? And I, I've come up with this. This is your conscience. And right now you're going, you're right. It's a megaphone. And there's times that your conscience is like defending you. And there's times my conscience will, you know, say things like this to me. Way to go, Mark. That's good. That's exactly what you should be doing, Mark. Now, personally for me, though, when my conscience speaks to me, it's more of really just a, a quiet sense of peace and tranquility and affirmation in my life. And it, it, a quiet conscience is a good conscience. That's going to be our fourth message when we get there at the end of this series. But one voice of the conscience is this steady, quiet affirmation that comes to you, that you're in the right, you're on the right path, that this is good, this is decent, these sort of things. But then there's the other voice, the voice of our conscience that at times will accuse us that you are in the wrong, that this is wrong, and, and this happens most of all. Most, you know, we, for example, things like, what are you doing, Mark? You know this is wrong. Come on, you lame brain, get with it. What are you thinking about right now? Why would you even consider this? I mean, this is the voice, this part of our conscience. And then if, there, if I'm seriously off course, you know, then this happens. 
Yeah. And uh, that, that's an amazing moment. I mean, the warning is going off. It's this moral detection of right and wrong, and it just starts going crazy in our lives when we are heading down the wrong path. Uh, there's times my conscience will speak to me and say, Mark, you know this is wrong. Man, you offended that person. You need to go and apologize for that situation. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, how we listen to our conscience. But right now, and I know this intuitively is something that's resonating with you. You're like, of course I have two voices. You're absolutely right, Pastor. And this is our conscience. I want you to talk about this at your tables. Can you share about a recent moment where the voice of your conscience was either affirming your good behavior or accusing you of your wrong behavior? Take a moment, take a couple minutes, talk about that. Okay, what is the conscience? It's this automatic warning. It's this automatic guiding system that God has given us. It has a couple voices. And also, our conscience has two primary functions. Number one, our conscience at times tells us we are in the right. And you need to hear this, and this is good. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's look at verse 12. Now, if you know anything about the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians, you know that Paul is defending himself all the way along. The Corinthians were... Uh, a tough bunch, and they were constantly accusing Paul of things that were false, and Paul's defending himself constantly before the Corinthians. And here in uh, verse 12 of chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks about his own conscience and one of the functions of his conscience, and we see this in verse 12. He says, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies. See, our conscience has a voice. It testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you in holiness and sincerity. In other words, Paul's conscience was telling him he was in the right, and this is one of the functions of our conscience. But our conscience also at times, this is the other function, will tell us we are in the wrong, and this is important for us to understand as well. Take your Bibles and go all the way to the Old Testament. Go really far left to the book of 1 Samuel. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel. Go to 1 Samuel and go to chapter 24. And this is a very interesting passage. This speaks about David's conscience. Now, David was king, well, crowned or anointed the king of Israel, but he was yet, yet not king. Saul was still king. Saul was the first king, and he was very jealous of David, hated David, and actually wanted to kill David. And in this section, David is kind of fleeing for his life in the Judean wilderness, and Saul is in hot pursuit of David, trying to find him, trying to locate him, wipe him out. 1 Samuel 24, look if you would at verse 1. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of Ein Gedi. Now, some of you have been with me to Ein Gedi just a few months ago. We were there in Ein Gedi. You remember that, near the Dead Sea. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. We saw the wild goats. We were in this exact area. He came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there. 
and Saul went in to relieve himself. David, Saul had to go number two, okay? (laughs) David and his men were far back in the cave. This is amazing. I mean, they're hiding, you know? The men said, this is David's men, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said that I will give your enemy into your hands and you will deal with him however you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed. I mean, this must have been something else. Talk about stealth, okay? And he cut off a corner of Saul's robe, okay? And Saul doesn't know it. He's doing his business. So then Saul leaves the cave. Afterwards, look at this, David's con- David was conscience-stricken. There we have the, the word, conscience-stricken, for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. He is the Lord's anointed. Now, we're going to look at the scripture next Sunday, so I'm going to leave it right there. But here, David was conscience-stricken. In other words, David's conscience was saying, this is wrong. This is not right. Now watch this. Depending on your treatment of your conscience in that moment, when you are conscience-stricken, you will end up, depending on how you treat your conscience, with a number of different types of potential consciences that the Bible speaks about. This is what we are going to study next Sunday. What is the cost of ignoring your conscience once it is conscience-stricken? We will reveal for you the four types of consciences the Bible talks about that we can have based on our treatment of our conscience. Now, what I want to do right now is I just want to uh, understand our conscience has different voices. It has different purposes to affirm us when we're in the right, to accuse us when we're in the wrong. It's the soul's automatic guiding and warning system. If you get that, you understand what the Bible says about our conscience. Every person here has a conscience. It's precious. It's what it means to be created in the image of God to have this. Now, what I want to do is I want to conclude uh, this morning by answering one final question that is a very important question. It's this, why is understanding your conscience and training your conscience so important. And I want us to look at one verse. It's there on your outlines in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And it says this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That means may the God of of peace sanctify you, set apart, make you holy, make you complete. May God's purpose fully take place in your life through and through every part of your being that you would be the man, the woman God wants you to be. God has a plan for you. He wants you to be complete in his design for you. And then look, notice what, what the Bible says. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, God's plan for you is that our spirit, our body, and our soul be healthy, be all that God wants it to be, all the way until Jesus returns. Now, this is what we need to understand. God is one, but three persons. He is a tri-unity. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One person, uh, one God, three persons. He is a tri-unity. You've been created in the image of God. 
And because you're created in the image of God, you are a tri-unity as well. And this is another sad thing about our society is we are not even te- teaching young people that they are a tri-unity in their nature. That, that's a tragedy right there. And a conscience is part of your tri-unity. You are three parts. You are one person, but three distinct parts that make up the unity of your being. But there are three parts to you. Very important, if you want to be a whole person, that you understand these three areas. We're not going to teach all the Bible says about these three areas, but we're going to go into depth about one of those areas. But I want to make this statement to you that I think is a simple but profound statement. Notice on your outlines. When your body is right, you are healthy. We know that. I mean, that's a simple statement. When your body is right, when there's no diseases, when you're not, you know, uh, cancer and all this, you're healthy. We get that. We get that. Uh, When your spirit is right, you are holy. You have a spirit, and this spirit is the part of your being that gives you the capacity, watch this, to have a relationship with God. The Bible says when you're created, that spirit is dead. But when you put faith in Jesus, it comes alive. You are born again, and all of a sudden, I now have a relationship with the living God. That comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And God may be speaking to you right now about that. You're going, you're right, I have a body. But it's not your spirit. Your spirit is that capacity to have a relationship with God. You may know people and you go, how is it that person? You know, they, they have this light within. It's like, you know, they have this walk with God. Well, they have a relationship with the living God. Their spirit is alive. And God gives that gift to all who believe. And when your spirit, you see, is right, you are holy. You have this relationship of holiness with God. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but God sees you as perfect because he sees you through the blood of Jesus, completely forgiven. You've surrendered your life to him. You're following him, and you're on a holy course going to heaven. And then the final part is this. When your soul is right, you're happy. In other words, when your conscience is right, you are happy. Another way of saying it is this. It is impossible for you to be truly happy in your soul if your conscience is not right, if it's not a good, clean, and clear conscience. We are going to talk about how to get that type of conscience in this series, but we're going to build up to it. And the beginning of it all is just understanding you have a conscience and understanding what it is. But when your soul is right, you are happy. And what I see today as a pastor, I see people putting so much emphasis on the body, the body, the body. And yeah, that'll make you healthy, but it will not make you holy. It will not make you happy. And when you block out the conscience and when you block out God, you are reducing yourself to one-third of your human potential. And you're blocking out the God who loves you and the conscience that's there given to you by God as a gift to lead you into happiness. And guess what? As I'm preaching, as I'm teaching, this resonates in your heart. And know that just the Lord has allowed you to be here. Whether you're watching this on video, whether right now live, God loves you. It's not by accident that you're here hearing this. It's, the Lord reaches out to us because he loves us. 
And, and, and he cares for us. He's a shepherd who shepherds his people. And he wants to get our attention. And he uses times like this to remind us of his love for us, that God has a plan for us. <laughs> and God's plan is for our health, our holiness, and our happiness. That, that truly is. Following God will lead you into that. So God's given us this amazing gift, this sixth sense, our conscience. And he's given us this to lead us into happiness in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our families, at work, in church, in our relationships, in society. And when society blocks these things out, society begins to unravel. And you can break society down to one individual in our own lives. When we block these things out, we begin to unravel. But when we start paying attention to these things, the body, the spirit, and the soul, wow, life gets rebuilt and it becomes something beautiful the way God intended. Understanding and knowing how to train your conscience is of absolute critical importance. Now, I know as I've been speaking here this morning, all sorts of things have been coming up into your mind as to why, uh, for some of you, this is like brand new and you're going, I knew this on the inside, but I've never heard anyone teach on it. And it's like providing for you answers and, and this is like just so helpful for you right now. I want you to talk about this question at your tables and it's this, why do you think a series on the conscience is important? Why is this topic important? I want you to share from your hearts at your tables the answer to that. Take a few moments, go through that. Okay, guys, part one of the sixth sense, understanding and training your conscience. This morning, simply what we've done, our goal was simply to define, to describe the conscience, that it's this built-in indicator of right and wrong that every human being has. We have this because we're created in God's image. Our conscience comes from God. It's part of what it means to be created in His image, this indicator of right and wrong. It has a voice. It affirms our good behavior. It accuses us of our wrong behavior. Way to go, Manny. <laughs> Manny, how could you be thinking that right now? So it has these two extremes, you know, that it operates in, and usually... On the good side of things, it's quiet. But when we start heading down the wrong path, man, it starts screaming and it can even go ballistic, you know, with, yeah, with that. I mean, that's all from God. That is. It has a voice. It affirms us when we're on the right track. And it will just harass us when we're on the wrong track. Remember years ago when I was in my undergraduate uh, studies, I was going back and forth to Simpson College where um, I was working on my bachelor's degree, and that was in San Francisco at the time, and it was always a battle to get across the bridge. How many of you commute across the bridge right now, you know? May the Lord's grace be upon you. <laughs> I mean, man, it's always a battle. And back then, they didn't even have, well, they had commuter lanes, but not fast track and all that. And there was one time I had a final that I was preparing for, and there was so much traffic out, and I'm like, I had to make a decision, and I knew it was the wrong decision, but I just ran the light. And I'm like, I just got to get to this 
test, I got to make this test, and right as I go through that thing, not paying, I'm just in my, my conscience is going off, I'm like, oh great, I'm preparing to be a pastor. I'm taking a test, you know, on the Bible, and I'm just completely, and I'm just, you know, my conscience going, and so this is with me the whole day, and it's just wearing me down, and I think we've all been there, and I'm like, you can't, you can't, you can push it aside. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. But on my way back, I, I, I was like, where do I park? I need to go pay for this. And so I pulled off the freeway and went to that on the Bay Bridge. And, uh, you know, I'm, I walked into this room and I try to find, I'm just like, I just walked, but I say, hey, <laughs> I'm a pastor and I sinned, <laughs> you know. Uh, I just need, and I just, you know, and I don't know, was it dollar, two dollars back then? But to give that money, all of a sudden, the relief. Wow. That's what it means to be human. To be, you know, healthy and holy and happy. None of us is it perfectly. We all fall short. God understands that. And that's why He's there in His love. And that's why He brings us a message like this for our hearts. Because for maybe for some of us, man, we've just been pushing God away. We've been pushing our conscience away. Maybe we've been pushing our health away. Because I'll tell you, those God and your conscience, they relate to your health as well. All three go together. And all three, man, they need to work together. God loves you. And God's coming to you, you know, in a series like this because he just wants you to hear his word and grow in his grace, you know. When your body is right, you're healthy. When your spirit is right, you're holy. When your soul is right, you're happy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.